Welcome to the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast, a weekly look at the latest news in Louisiana agriculture. Coming up, we'll have a look at this week's Louisiana Ag News headlines. We'll look inside the markets with commentary from experts at the Louisiana Farm Bureau Marketing Association. We'll check out the latest happenings at the state capitol and in Washington, D.C. in our grassroots government segment. And we'll hear from one of you as we take you to the fields and pastures of the Bayou State and find out the latest in crop and cattle conditions. All of this and more coming up on this week's podcast. Now, here's the host of the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast, Carrie Martin. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Episode 8 of the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. I'm your host, Kerry Martin, and as always, we've got another great podcast lined up for you today. We kick it off with news headlines, checking out the latest news in Louisiana agriculture. We follow that up with our grassroots government segment, where we check in with Joe Mapes about the recently concluded second special session of the Louisiana legislature. After that, we go in the field to kick off a new series where we'll be highlighting the finalists for the 2018 Louisiana Farm Bureau Young Farmer and Rancher Achievement Award. We have three finalists for that award, which will be presented at the upcoming Louisiana Farm Bureau Convention in New Orleans. We'll look into both the grain and livestock markets, then wrap it all up with a look at the Louisiana Ag Calendar. Another great podcast ready to roll, and we kick it off right now with news headlines. a look at the latest news headlines in Louisiana agriculture on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. Trade talks between the U.S. and China have been a roller coaster affair with both setbacks and victories. Louisiana Farm Bureau Director of National Affairs Kyle McCann. We've now had three rounds of discussion between China and the U.S. regarding our trade disputes, if you will. We're not at an all out trade war, but we are talking about various measures. And then when that comes out, you look at retaliatory measures. Uh, a week ago, we had some very positive news. Uh, the most recent news is not as positive, uh, but there's still a lot at stake. The talks may be international in scope, but they affect Louisiana farmers like Jim Harper of Rapids Parish. In the case of soybeans, 60% of our exports go to China. So uh, we're all watching that closely and we're hoping, you know, we'll have a successful outcome to these negotiations that China and the U.S. is going through now. And while the trade talks have been rattling the grain markets, there could be a positive outcome, according to Grayson Close, a grain marketing specialist with the Louisiana Farm Bureau Marketing Association. If they were to reduce some of those technology tariffs, they would offer to buy $70 billion worth of stuff, which would include a lot of, of ag products. But China 
overall has slowed down on buying their, their proteins from us. Um, they're coming from South America right now. Eventually they'll have to come back to us if they want to keep feeding their population, but at the meantime, uh, we could see a sharp break in prices next week just because of the way things are going right now. Dry conditions have taken a toll on Louisiana agriculture. That's according to the latest Louisiana Crop Progress and Condition Report. Just about every crop in the report has shown a drop in condition ratings. Now, there's too many numbers to run through every crop, but I will take a look at the poor and very poor categories. We have 7% of the corn crop rated poor to very poor, 4% of the cotton crop now poor to very poor. Pasture is in the worst condition, with 30% of the state's pastures rated poor to very poor. 16% of soybeans rated poor to very poor, 9% of sugarcane poor to very poor, and 8% of the sweet potatoes rated poor to very poor. The report also shows winter wheat harvest making good progress, now sitting at 73% complete. We've already seen the extremes in our 2018 weather patterns here in Louisiana with flooding early in the year and drought-like conditions recently. Top that off with an early tropical storm that hit the southeastern U.S., and you can only wonder what the rest of the year holds. LSU Ag Center climatologist Jay Grimes says no one has an answer. A lot of folks take that as an indication of what's coming. Don't let that bother you in and of itself. Over the last handful of seasons, we've seen several years where we had early starts, even a January hurricane just a couple of years ago. What we know is that what happens before June 1 tells us almost nothing about what's going to happen after June 1. And while everyone focuses on how many hurricanes we'll have after the June 1 hurricane season kicks off, Grimes says that number really isn't important. It's not about how many, it's about where do they go. And the fact is the science isn't ready to handle that yet. We're never going to see that in our lifetime in a way that's really meaningful. So here's the numbers you need to know, and this is especially true for the southern parishes. There is historically a 50-50 chance of some part of the state being impacted by at least one named storm in every hurricane season. Dry soil conditions in Louisiana have been the biggest concern lately, and Grimes says he shares those concerns, especially in north and central Louisiana. In the central and northern part of the state, I, I'm a little bit worried. I'm not concerned yet, but when we start out the spring and early summer dry, it often takes uh, the whole summer, and maybe they don't get the relief that they're looking for. A lot of folks don't realize that rainfall in the northern half of the state during the summer months is about half of what we get in the southern part of the state. So when they start off going into the summer on the dry side, that's often not good news. LSU Ag Center climatologist Jay Grimes. Three people are accused of stealing livestock valued at more than $1 million from four Louisiana livestock markets. 68-year-old Ricky Thompson and 69-year-old Wanda Thompson of Allen Parish are charged with six counts of theft of property having a value of $25,000 or more. Investigators with the Louisiana Department of Agriculture and Forestry's Brand Commission say the thefts occurred between August and October of 2017. Louisiana has eight public livestock markets. Investigators say four of the eight markets were targeted by the Thompsons. Louisiana sugarcane growers will have a new variety for 2018. 
The LSU Ag Center, USDA, and the American Sugarcane League are releasing a new variety called L11183 for the 2018 planting season. The variety was derived from a cross made at the Ag Center's Sugar Research Station in St. Gabriel between HOCP 92624 and LCP 85384. The 2018 Louisiana cotton and corn crops are both developing at a very fast pace right now, but they both are short on moisture. Don Molino has more on that. LSU Ag Center Extension Service cotton specialist Dr. Dan Frommy at the Dean Lee Research Station just south of Alexandria says the crop is progressing very well right now. Most of the cotton that's planted in Louisiana this, this year is about 35 days, give or take five days. Uh, a lot of the cotton now is uh, beginning to square. Really no issues at this time uh, other than uh, nitrogen applications uh, have been made, are being made uh, to the cotton that now that the course has emerged and uh, things are going well. We're definitely on the dry side across the state. Uh, we will need a rain in June to keep it going. The uh, soil moisture situation across Louisiana, you know, the southern half is you know abnormally dry. And then you get into the northern part of the state, it's considered normal at this time, but they're going to need a rain as well. So our northwestern uh, part of the state is kind of on the abnormally dry side, just like the uh, the southern half is. But Frommy also points out the cotton crop is going to be needing some rain by the end of this month. From an insect standpoint, things have been quiet. Most of the cotton now has outgrown the uh, issues with thrips. Uh, last week or two, we were spraying for thrips, but now it's got some size on it. We don't have to worry about thrips uh, issues. As far as aphids concerned, there is a few, but most of them are at manageable numbers at this time. And from a weed standpoint, being on the dry side this year, uh, weeds have not been that big of a problem in Louisiana. I guess the key issue, going to need a rain in June. We will know we get into the uh, last few days of June and uh, first week of July here in Louisiana. We're going to begin to flower. It's always a uh, critical time as far as keeping those bowls on the plant. Hopefully we'll have a, uh, a wet spell here in June to keep us going, and we sure need a good cotton crop this year across the state. Dr. Frommy also serves as a corn specialist for the LSU Ag Center. He says this year's corn crop is progressing at a really fast pace right now. A lot of the corn across the state at the tassel stage, and then uh, you look a little bit closer, uh, it's in the uh, early stages of blister stage as well. As far as making a good corn crop this year, it's going to be uh, imperative here as we're in that tassel stage and into the reproductive stage here that, uh, you know, we're going to use a lot of water. Well, that corn crop uses a lot of water. We're going to need some rain here just as soon as possible to keep keep the good yields uh, progressing. Some of the corn, especially uh, in the southern half of the state, has been stressed for quite some time. Irrigation is being used across the state at this time as well. These high temperatures that we're experiencing here during the day, and then, uh, you know, we've had some uh, unusually warm nights already during the pollination stage is, is not good for the crop. I'm Don Molino on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. That is a look at the latest news in Louisiana agriculture. And remember, you can always check us out online at our website, voiceoflaag.org. We update that site every weekday with anything and everything that's going on in Louisiana agriculture. And while you're there, 
Click the big button in the middle of the page to subscribe to our daily e-newsletter. It's called The Daily Voice, and we send it out each morning, 5 a.m., directly to your inbox with the latest news and information in Louisiana agriculture. Coming up next, we'll get a recap on the recently concluded second special session of the Louisiana Legislature. That's in our Grassroots Government segment next on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. This is Trace Atkins for the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation. Louisiana farmers and ranchers dedicate their lives to producing the food we eat and the clothes we wear. Agriculture touches all of us every time we sit down at the table. So support Louisiana agriculture by joining Farm Bureau. And you don't have to be a farmer to join. If you're already a member, we thank you. Your membership supports farmers and ranchers right here in your local community. The Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation, the voice of Louisiana agriculture. It's time for a look inside the halls of government in this week's edition of Grassroots Government on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. On this week's edition of Grassroots Government, we go back to the state capitol in Baton Rouge to talk about the recently concluded special session of the Louisiana Legislature. Joe Mapes is a lobbyist with the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation. And Joe, I guess my first question would be, was this special session just a waste of time and money? Uh, yes, it was a big waste of time. A lot of people's time, not just the legislature itself or the uh, all the staff connected to that, but all the private business and industry that has great concern over these pieces of legislation and the outcome of the budget. Ultimately, it was a waste of time. Now we're headed towards another one. So really, we're just in the same situation that we were in before the session started. Yes, we're in the same exact situation as we were in each of the three previous legislative sessions, which is uh, we have no budget. Uh, you know, uh, I'm, I'm told uh, we, we passed the budget. OK, we did pass the budget, Kerry, but we haven't passed a funding mechanism. And that would be, you know, an extension of the partial uh, portion of the penny, either a third or a half of the fifth sales tax penny that's been on us on the books for two years was supposed to come off June 30th. Uh, but now they're talking about reinstating a portion of it as a source of revenue to fund the budget bill that they did actually pass in this past session. Now, you know, who knows if that budget stays like it is or not uh, coming into this next session. Joe, I know that one thing they were looking at is removing some exemptions on those sales taxes. We initially had a commitment from the governor that agriculture was safe, but I know during the special session, those ag sales tax exemptions did come under attack. I think the last time you and I spoke on radio, Kerry, I think I, I meant I think we did discuss that we had a commitment from the governor, but I think I did say we needed to still be concerned with certain uh, members of the legislature. And that's exactly where this initiative came from. It came from the chairman of the uh, taxing committee in the Senate, and then it moved on from there. But now it's like it's like a piece of uh, a bait going across the top of a pond. Okay? Now that it's out there, 
And we killed that legislation, that amendment. But now that it's out there, other legislators are looking at ag as a source of potential revenue for future budget deficit situations. So that's my concern. That's another concern. We've got to get this budget deficit resolved just so they stop trying to train the gun turret on us, you know, which is what's happening right now. And 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 they think that that there's a and this is from discussions we were we were privy to up there at the Capitol. But a lot of them think that the, the, the most important ones are the only ones we need is feed, seed and fertilizer and all the rest of them we can live without. And we know that diesel and propane fuel and steam used in sugarcane mills and, you know, uh, it goes on and on. The rubber tire exemption, the manufacturer's machinery exemption, uh, they took all of that away and they thought we could live without it. So, uh, we, it, it, yeah, you're right. They came after it and they came after it hard. But we were able to stop it, and one way that we did stop that was by mobilizing uh, our grassroots efforts through our voter voice system. I know a lot of our listeners may not be familiar with this voter voice system. If you would, Joe, run through that voter voice system and how our listeners, farmers, ranchers, people involved in agriculture can get involved in that and be involved in the legislative process. What is that? Well, I'm sure glad you asked about it, Kerry, because grassroots uh, is is how Farm Bureau has always been successful, and with the ch- and that's participating as far as getting in touch, creating and maintaining relationships with legislators. But now that we've entered into the electronic age and we're all so very busy, it's difficult to have personal meetings. It's difficult to even have phone calls held or or, or, or uh, emails read because there's so many of them out there. But in the voter voice can, uh, uh, situation, we take the, 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 the member's name and address and zip code and we put it into a system and it plugs them up, with, plugs them into only their constituent legislators, senators and representatives. So they're not, they're not sending out what's considered spam email. They're sending out targeted emails that come from family members and friends to these legislators. And that's what makes all the difference in the world. So, so give you an example if we had a bill on agriculture committee and and i reached out to you and voter voice carrie if it reached out to you and wanted you to participate you're more than likely only going to have one legislator well you will have only one legislator on that committee so that's the only one that would get an email from you with a farm bureau logo up at the top so they can call it spam mail if they want but it's not it's targeted communication it's highly effective and thank you to all the people who are listening that helped that participated Carrie, we had 50% of our users on this voter voice campaign were new users who obviously went to www.lfbf.org. And that uh, you, you go to the voter voice link, which I believe you scroll down is at the bottom of the page, go in, enter your information and uh, you're hooked up. You can also, uh, if you work in a different district, you can, you know, put in the address of your work. And then you can have two two emails going in to legislators if you want. Actually, two different legislators. Joe, are you hearing anything now about what is next? What's the next step? Another special session? And when and if that's going to happen? Sure. It looks like we're going to have a uh, special session. Uh, that's the official rumor on the street. Probably come towards the middle of the month because we've got to have, a by Constitution, we have to have a, a, a balanced budget. By the 30th, June 30th, we'd need at least 10 days to have such a session. If we were going to have one, Carry, I would imagine it would be very limited. If you remember, the first special session call was was uh, limited, and the governor got criticized for that, said it wasn't broad enough for the legislators to file bills to take care of business. He broadened this one uh, maybe a little bit too broadly. 
he's going. I would think he would need to go back to a, a, a more narrow call, just basically addressing the issue at hand, which is how do we get money to fund the budget that we passed? So I would imagine it would be just sales tax issues we'd be looking at in this next special session. Joe Mapes, he's a lobbyist for the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation. Joe, appreciate the update. Thank you, Carrie. Talk to you soon. Bye. Coming up next, we go in the field where we will start a special series highlighting three of the most outstanding young farmers in the state of Louisiana. That's next in the field on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. This is Trace Atkins for the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation. Believe it or not, your food doesn't come from the grocery store. It just may have been grown on a farm right here in Louisiana. And those jeans you're wearing may have come from a Louisiana cotton farm. Louisiana's farmers and ranchers take pride in producing the food and fiber that we all use in our daily lives. So each time you sit down to a meal or get dressed for the day, thank a Louisiana farmer or rancher. The Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation, the voice of Louisiana agriculture. We're taking you to the fields of Louisiana as we hear from one of you in the field on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. As we go in the field this week, we start a special three-week series profiling the finalists for the 2018 Louisiana Farm Bureau Young Farmer and Rancher Achievement Award. This award will be given out at the upcoming Louisiana Farm Bureau Convention in New Orleans in just a couple of weeks. Our first profile this week is with Matt Dennis. He is from East Carroll Parish, way up in the northeast corner of the state. Carl Wiggers did a great video featuring Matt and his father, David, and we're going to just take the audio from that video and play it for you. It definitely is a great video, and you can get a lot out of the audio as well. If you'd like to see that video, we have it posted on our homepage of our website at voiceoflaag.org. But right now, here's Carl Wiggers featuring Matt Dennis and his father, David, one of the three finalists for the the 2018 Young Farmer and Rancher Achievement Award. Matt Dennis is in full swing planting his 2018 soybean crop. And at 25, Matt is right at home in the cab of his tractor. He loves that the farming industry is constantly changing with new challenges every day. You're constantly changing and so you never really get bored of it. It's always something new and different skills you can learn. He's been learning these new skills since he was a child growing up right here on this farm. Matt's father, David, says that he has been a great partner to have. Oh, I couldn't farm without him. He made me prouder than anything ever in my life. I'm impressed every day with what he does and can do. He just took to it. He's always liked it since he was a little boy. Probably 13 to 14, I was in charge of setting hippers, and neighboring farmers started calling me, asking my opinions on certain pans, scallop pans, regular pans, what type of barrens, how to get the barrens out. And so I started learning more and more about it so I could have that responsibility. That early responsibility set Matt on a trajectory towards success, but it also planted in him the lifelong desire to farm, and he would stop at nothing to make that dream a reality. We were just talking and uh, he just 
put a sandwich down and said, you know all those people talk about how hard you work? And I said, yeah. He said, well, they're going to be talking about how much harder I work than you. I said, well, good luck with that. And he's done it. <laughs> so I started doing it more and learning more, really paying attention and studying a lot, doing a lot of research. I just really took off of that. There's a lot of technology available to us. One of the biggest changes that Matt has implemented here at the farm is leveling every field and putting it on a grid for more efficiency using GPS technology. I couldn't do that. This technology lost me. <laughs> I just couldn't do it. But he took right to it. Making two AB lines, one north and south, one east and west, where anybody can come. We have some South African foreign workers who don't know this place. So instead of giving them a map, trying to explain field numbers and all that, tell them, hey, east and west, go. And they don't change the AB line for a week. And that simplified the whole thing, because it was constantly somebody getting on, in the wrong field number or whatever. It smoothed it out a lot. Matt also made improvements to the irrigation and drainage here on the farm. These were big changes that his employees were not too sure about. They thought I spent too much money. I bought ditchers, GPS equipment, new, the newest technologies. The ditches was the best thing we ever did. They didn't really want to do that, but it's important to get the water on the field, but it's more important to get the water off the field. He's done what he said he was going to do, and that's very impressive. We butt heads a lot. We have different views on a lot of things. But at the end of the day, we both give a little and help each other out. He's taught me a whole lot. Whether he meant to or not, one thing that David passed down to Matt was a love that all farmers have planted deep within them. It's just nice putting a seed in the ground and just growing a humongous, beautiful plant off of that, coming through, cutting it, and making some money, hopefully. Again, that's Matt Dennis, one of the three finalists for the 2018 Young Farmer and Rancher Achievement Award. It'll be given out in just a couple of weeks at the upcoming Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation Convention in New Orleans. If you'd like to see that video, it's on our homepage, voiceoflaag.org. Coming up next, it's time to take a look at the markets, where we'll visit with Troy Lust, a grain market analyst with FC Stone, and we'll check in with our regular cattle market analyst, Dave Foster. That's next, looking at the markets on The Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. This is Trace Atkins for the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation. Growing up in Sarepta, I could see the value of agriculture every time I left the house. Whether it was timber going to the paper mill or cattle in a pasture, I knew the farmers, ranchers, and landowners were keeping my hometown on the map. And the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation helps keep them in business. So join the Farm Bureau today. Become a member at lafarmbureau.org or call your parish Farm Bureau office. The Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation, the voice of Louisiana agriculture. Now let's look at the markets with insight from the experts at the Louisiana Farm Bureau Marketing Association on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. Our regular market analyst, Greg Fox, is off for the week, so in his place we head to Des Moines, Iowa to talk with Troy Lust. Troy is a market analyst with FC Stone, and Troy, it has been a really tough week in these grain markets. We've seen losses across the board all week long. 
Yeah, Carrie, it really has, and that's that's the problem. When you get to this time of year, you you need to come in for the market to go up. You need to come in on Mondays, and you got to have a, a crop problem somewhere, and, and clearly a, a weather forecast that's detrimental to the to the growing of the crop, or, or i.e., it's just got to be a hot and dry forecast. And we don't have anything like that. We've got the ridge of high pressure that's more centered towards the south and the west, and then your your rim of fire effect or your wraparound from that ridge of high pressure basically allows rain to come through Minnesota, Wisconsin, Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, on the on the other side of that ridge of high pressure. So it's really, as far as a forecast concern, it's an ideal forecast. And with our ratings up here at such lofty levels, I mean your corns. You know, 78% good to excellent, soybean 75% good to excellent. Hard hard to make any issues out of this, how this growing season has started anyway. So the market basically in in liquidation mode with these funds now caught long. Even though today we've today we've exhausted that selling a little bit, but we'll we'll see what kind of changes we see Monday when we walk into the to the next forecast. How big of a role have the trade talks played in this decline we've seen this week? Well, they're there. It's it's somewhat of a problem. You know, the talks are continuing. The trade's disappointed uh, that we've not seen anything out of this yet. And unfortunately, the only thing we've seen is is some pork tariffs that have been slapped onto Mexico. So that makes the trade a little fearful that, you know, we could dig our heels in here and have, have problems with China. So, yeah, no news on that front has been also construed as negatively by the markets. So, yeah, that's and that's frustrating on that one because we had been hinged pretty tightly to that, and and the market had really been zigzagging around based on the, you know, newswire stories and information coming from the politics of all this. And yeah, for now we've we've really worn the market out on it. Troy Lust with FC Stone in Des Moines, Iowa. Thanks a lot, Troy. You bet. Take care. Thanks. Now for a look at the rice market, we turn to rice marketing specialist Mark Tall with the Louisiana Farm Bureau Marketing Association's Rice Marketing Office in Crowley. Mark says the rice market has been under a lot of pressure lately. Well, the futures market has taken a hit in the last 10 trading days, losing approximately 8 to 9% on September, and the trading really around 1096, pretty much light volume across the board. Uh, this is fairly normal and typical when between old and new crop coupled with a lack of supporting fundamental news, therefore allowing for some slippage in the process. The world market price had another dip this week, uh, long grain down about 27 cents, meaning short down about 27 cents 100 as well, while brokers remain the same. The cash market has now converged on old and new crop, bringing the long grain price to 1119.100 based on a 55.70 number two and 6270 number 211 With higher pumping costs this season, producers would really like to see an increase in value for their product in order to really balance out the expense and income. Rice marketer Mark Tall with the Louisiana Farm Bureau Marketing Association. Here's a quick rundown on how the markets wrapped up on Friday. July soybeans down 5 cents, 969 and a quarter. November beans down 5, 989 and a quarter. So we dropped below that $10 mark to wrap up the week. The corn market was slightly higher, but still well below $4, where we were just a couple of weeks ago. July corn up one and a half, 377 and three quarters. September corn up one and a quarter, 386 and a half. July wheat was down six and three quarters, closing at 520 a bushel. 
As we just mentioned with Mark, rough rice has seen big drops over the last couple of weeks. We wrapped up on a lower note Friday. July rice down three and a half, eleven eighteen a hundred. September rice down nine and a half at ten seventy five and a half. The cotton market continues to trade well above 90 cents. We closed mixed on Friday with old crop July cotton up 122 points, 94.94. The new crop December contract was down 19 points, finishing the week at 92.60 cents. We had a big jump in the sugar market as well on Friday. July sugar up 130 points to close at 26.25. Now we move over to the cattle market where we talk with our regular market analyst, Dave Foster. Dave is CEO of Cattle Producers of Louisiana. And Dave, what's been going on in the cattle market this week? Well, things have kind of steadied up a little bit, especially on the feeder cattle situation here in Louisiana, as well as um, throughout the southeast. So they've kind of got a figure, I guess, of what they can pay for uh, these new crop ball and calves. And, and so, again, most all the markets came uh, steady in Louisiana for uh, these calves this week. And the slaughter cows continue to get a little bit more improved uh, a little one to two or three dollars higher, I guess, throughout the state this week. It looked like in the prices that I've been seeing and talking to them. But interesting enough, Kerry, talking about cows, is that I have noticed in the last really all through May, for example, our replacement cows, stocker cows, people call them whatever, uh, going back home and cow calf pairs, that sort of thing. Normally in May, April, May, that's uh, kind of a time when our grasses are growing, the forage are picking up and people are excited about that of course and, and are, are buying these replacement cows to go back home and uh, the demand has not really been there all that much and prices are certainly reflecting that so I think it has certainly more to do with just the fact that we really have not had much of a grass deal so far we're just kind of struggling I've talked to many producers around that are in the hay field or trying to cut some hay and uh, if they've got some to cut you know it's not near what it was a year ago and that sort of thing. So I suppose that's kind of a reflection on these replacement cows, but that's something that people can kind of take a look at. And if you've got a demand or need for some replacement cows and you need to restock a little bit, uh, maybe the time to take a look and see what all that brings. Dave, sometimes it's easy to lose sight of the fact that in order to be a good cattle producer, you have to be a good grass producer. And in the latest Louisiana Crop Progress report, it showed that about 30% of our pastures in Louisiana are rated poor to very poor. That is definitely not a situation you want to be in at this time of year. No, you are correct, and that's exactly right. And I'm glad that you shared that uh, statistic because that relates directly to this probably demand for our replacement cows. And so those are things that have a, uh, a huge effect on our marketplace. And right along with that, Kerry, if that trend continues, if we don't get rain, if that forage doesn't grow, we may be looking at producers weaning their calves earlier instead of uh, weaning them in uh, late uh, August, early September. They could be uh, forced to move some of those cattle earlier. So that's something to keep out and uh, out looking at out front and see what happens with that scenario. Dave Foster, he's a former cattle market reporter and currently CEO of Cattle Producers of Louisiana. Dave, as always, we really appreciate the insight. Thanks so much. Oh, you're more than welcome. Have a good week. 
At the Kinder Livestock Auction, Kinder, Louisiana, on Monday, they sold two to three weight steers from a dollar fifty to two twenty-five a pound. Three to four weight steers, a dollar forty to a dollar eighty-five. Four to five hundred pounders brought a dollar twenty-five to a dollar sixty-five a pound. Five to six weight steers, a dollar twenty to a dollar sixty. With six to seven hundred pounders bringing a dollar eighteen to a dollar forty a pound. Bred cows range from four hundred dollars to twelve hundred a head. Cow calf pairs range from six hundred to thirteen fifty a pair. At the Red River Livestock Auction, Cushata, Louisiana, on Wednesday, two to three weight steers brought a dollar thirty to a dollar seventy-seven a pound. Three to four weight steers a dollar thirty to a dollar eighty-five. Four to five hundred pounders, a dollar thirty-one to a dollar seventy-seven. Five to six weight steers, a dollar thirty to a dollar fifty-seven a pound. With six to seven weights bringing a dollar thirteen to a dollar forty-five a pound. Cows range from a low of two seventy-five to a high of eleven fifty a head. Cow-calf pairs brought five hundred to fifteen hundred dollars a pair. That's a look at our grain and livestock markets for this week. Up next, a look at the Louisiana Ag Calendar. We'll check out all of the agricultural events happening in the state coming up over the next week. That's next on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. This is Trace Atkins for Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation. You know your Louisiana Farm Bureau membership gives you access to the best insurance on the planet, but it can also save you hundreds when you buy a car. On vacation, your Louisiana Farm Bureau membership gets you discounts on hotels and rental cars, and it makes you part of a group that's 143,000 families strong. So go to LAFarmBureau.org or call your parish Farm Bureau office to become a member. The Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation, the voice of Louisiana Agriculture. Agriculture. Now to wrap up this week's podcast, let's take a look at what's coming up this week on the Louisiana Ag Calendar. We have several events coming up on the Ag Calendar in the upcoming week. Most of these are LSU Ag Center events. We'll start first with Tuesday, June the 12th. The LSU Ag Center is holding another one of their market-ready workshops. These market-ready producer training workshops are for Louisiana farmers and fishermen with the focus of assisting them in establishing a business strategy and to effectively market their products to local restaurants, schools, grocers, and wholesalers. Again, these have been held all over the state. On Tuesday, they're holding one in Lafayette, and then on Thursday, Thursday the 14th, they're holding another one in Alexandria. Of course, you can check out their website, lsuagcenter.com, if you need more information. Then, in between those events, on Wednesday, June the 13th, the Ag Center is holding another one of their Rice Field Days. They've been holding these all over the state as well. The Rice Field Day this coming Thursday the 13th will be in Acadia Parish. Then on the 14th, that's Thursday, June 14th, the LSU Ag Center is holding their Florida Parishes Dairy Day. That will be in Franklinton, Louisiana. Again, if you need information on any of these events, lsuagcenter.com is 
is the place to find it. Another event coming up on Thursday the 14th is a workshop. It's a fairly interesting workshop. This is the Soil Health in Grazed Longleaf Pine Savannah Workshop. This is being sponsored by the Louisiana Grazing Lands Conservation Institute, LGLCI, and it's a workshop being held in Reeves, Louisiana. That's over in southwest Louisiana, kind of in between Kinder and De Quincey. And that will be held on Thursday, June 14th. You can check out their website, louisianaglci.org, if you'd like information on that particular workshop. Well, that's a look at all the events coming up in Louisiana over the coming week. And that puts the wrap on episode number eight of the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. As always, be sure to check back next week. We'll have another one ready to go. Until then, be sure to connect with us on social media. You can find us on both Facebook and Twitter at Voice of LA Ag. We update both of those accounts each day with the latest news and information in Louisiana agriculture. We'll see you right back here next week for another Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. Have a great week. Thanks for listening to the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. Join us again next week. This podcast is produced by Kerry Martin and the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation. For more information, be sure to check out our website, voiceoflouisianaagriculture.org and lafarmbureau.org.